0: everyone. Welcome to Risk Roundup. While many technological advances have driven the automotive industry for decades, internet connectivity brings massive changes for the automobile industry globally. Now with the hope that connected cars will take nations toward a mode of transport that is safer, smarter, secure, and more sustainable, There is increasing incorporation of in-vehicle computer systems that is connected to the Internet. As a result, the connected cars are on its way to optimize its own operation and maintenance as well as the convenience and comfort of passengers using onboard sensors and Internet connectivity. Now, when connected cars have the computing power of dozens of personal computers and it features hundreds of millions of lines of programming code and processes up to 25 gigabytes of data an hour, the rapidly changing automotive computing understandably makes endpoint security a moving target. The connected cars and security breaches are becoming an actuality of life. So when millions of cars across nations are being intertwined into a network of connected devices to the internet, it raises nations. It raises many new concerns for each and every nation and questions about not only safety, security, and privacy, but also whether nations have effective security-centric infrastructure, framework, technology, tools, and processes for the connected cars and rapidly changing automobile industry in cyberspace, geospace, and space to discuss complex challenges facing connected cars further. I'm delighted to welcome Kevin Coleman to Risk Roundup. Kevin is a strategic advisor and is based in the United States. Welcome, Kevin. We are so very honored to have you on Risk Roundup.
1: Well, thanks for inviting me.
0: Wonderful, Kevin. So as we see this vision of connected cars becoming a reality today, what trends do you see emerging for connected cars?
1: Oh, lots of... uh... Interesting things coming up from the cybersecurity aspect of it to new capabilities for advertising that we're probably not going to like too well as we drive down the road, uh, being reminded that we just stopped at Joe's French fries uh, two weeks ago and it's about noon and uh, it's coming up on the right. Uh, Think about, you know, you're integrating your vehicle, your movement, your GPS location and your history. All into a marketing campaign.
0: Uh, that is going to be very interesting. The marketing campaign as you drive, you know, and uh, uh, as it gets intelligent, as it knows where we are, what location we are and, you know, what uh, the marketers, you know, wants you to... Probably, you know, explore, you know, go to a restaurant or, you know, go do some shopping or do some sightseeing. That is a whole different kind of uh, marketing campaign that we are not used to. So which technologies do you see that is creating this greatest impact for, you know, completely transforming not only the way vehicles operate, the cars operate, but also how the industry wants us to, you know, have a different kind of user experience?
1: Ah. It's interesting uh, to to just take a step back and think about the last time I looked, there was 143 different microprocessors in a modern car. And as you were mentioning, all that lines of code, and and now we're starting to get continuously connected uh, to anything other than the GPS. So as we drive down the road, okay, all the information is starting to be gathered and as we see more and more of the internet of things come to uh, fruition we're starting to see interesting sensors built into the roadway so that when the the sensors detect ice on the roadway they immediately notify you that you have an icy condition coming up so instead of having to wait for somebody to report it back to the central control and them to put a sign up and you to pass the sign. It's almost instantaneous. So all the interaction with the world around us is gonna be in what we call near real time. From the advertising to the sensors to how your vehicle uh, is performing. Uh, There's a a scenario that I gave uh, at a webinar a few weeks ago and you're driving down the road and uh, one of your left rear tire sensors detects a change in the tire pressure and it starts monitoring it. And it changes and it it looks at the system and says, whoa, this is now starting to get to the point where something has to be done. So it goes back and contacts the manufacturer. And the manufacturer looks at it and says, well, that vehicle has this brand of tire on it. And it has a network of service providers and sends a message to your dashboard that says, Mrs. Jones, we've detected a slight problem with your left rear tire. Go down three blocks, make a right, go to the end of the street, and wheels, wheels, will take care of it for you. Think about the service and, and how The the vendor can actually lock you in uh, to a a specific group of of providers by integrating all this into, uh, you know, the capabilities that we have today.
0: That's very true. And I think then small mom and pop shops who are not uh, connected that way and who don't have that kind of money for that kind of automation and marketing campaign, they will lose out so much. And the car of yesterday i mean as we were you know all buying we would just go to a dealer and you know we will just pick whatever car you know was there available and uh, we did not have that option to customize or to even think about what kind of features we want but the car of tomorrow will allow us that user customization based on what we want and what we need so how do you i mean as you just given a good example about the automation in the service now how will the customized automotive software transform the automotive industry i mean this is not about the what uh, ai led you know automated uh, service and all those uh, different features that we will be experiencing it will make it make it more easier for us to you know get the intelligence about where we need to go if there is you know something uh, wrong with our uh, you know, tires or something wrong with the brakes or any other, you know, or we do, we are all running out of gas where the gas station is coming. That's another story. But now this is about customizing, you know, what we want and what we download. And that, you know, opens up a whole new world. So how do you, how do you see this customized automotive software transforming the automotive industry in the coming years?
1: Well, in the near term, uh, it's already started to take hold because a couple of the dealerships uh, in the automotive manufacturers have created portals for application developers to interact with their software. Now, that being said, just think about this. You know, we used to have two different platforms, you know, the Apple and we had uh, the IBM or the Windows platform. Okay. Think about all the different platforms we're going to have now. Okay. Think about, is Chevy going to be different from Ford? Is it going to be different from Chrysler? Is it going to be different from BMW? Is it going to be different. All those different brands could have a different platform that we would have to develop applications for. So there's a real interesting paradox going on here that a lot of people are starting to say, wait a second, we got to take a giant step back and think about this. Is this the right way to go about it? and have all these individual you know application platforms and have to develop you know one application six seven eight ten times or is it nice to have two or three that all the different manufacturers use that we can put these in there and only have to develop it two or three different times that sounds a lot more efficient
0: Yes, very true, and that's an excellent point, you an observation you made. Because if each one of them have different protocols, different you know platforms, and everyone you know tries to start developing that, then you know we are opening ourselves up to so many new avenues of uh, security vulnerabilities, and uh, we will have to come up with some sort of global standards so that you know in and uh, not only that you know security vulnerabilities, but interconnectivity will also be a challenge. So. We will need to all these manufacturers will need to come together and as an industry they will have to come together to develop some sort of global standard that makes it much easier and it makes it much more uh, easier also about the security for the security professionals so that you know they can uh, address these security challenges in an integrated and collective manner. So, that is something we will need uh, the industry will need to address, but now as a physical sensor I mean these there are a lot of IoT sensors that are uh, uh, being, you know, implemented in for the automotive industry, but they are not machines and it doesn't do anything in the same sense that a machine does. So it measures, it evaluates, and it shows it gathers data, you know, for the automotive industry. Now the IoTs, it really comes together with the connection of sensors and machines. It's the internet connectivity that makes it very powerful. So that is to say that the real value the Internet of Things creates is at the intersection of gathering data and leveraging it. So all the information gathered by all the sensors in the world won't do anything if we are not able to get some sort of intelligence from that. And if we don't have an infrastructure in place to analyze it in real time, do you see that? What What is the current status on that? Do we have the digital infrastructure in place? for the connected cars so that we can benefit, we can take advantage of all these you know, technologies that we are integrating with the connected cars. Uh,
1: once again, we have 13 different versions or 16 different versions of that technology in place. Do we have what I think we need going forward? Absolutely not. Um, we need to, to standardize on the platform. I hate to say this, but somebody needs to put regulations in place to mandate these manufacturers uh, build in some cybersecurity to that. There was a great video that some hackers uh, talked to a journalist. I think the journalist was from Wired and they put him in the vehicle, okay, and had him drive. And then they took over the vehicle. They flooded his windshield with uh, windshield washer fluid, just turned it on remotely. They started the wipers they caused it to speed up, they caused it to slow down, and then they drove him off the road, okay? That was a 2014 vehicle, okay? That's four years ago. So think about where we are now, okay? We have to put that in place. Now, don't answer this question, uh, but do you have an antivirus on your smartphone? Do you have a firewall on your smartphone? How many people do you think actually have security on their smartphones? Do you think they're going to go ahead and put security on their vehicles if they don't even care about what's on their smartphone and the frequency that they use that? Probably not. So it's going to have to be mandated and put in place. Um, I hate to bring this one up, but we, we've seen where terrorist organizations and individuals have jump behind the wheel of a vehicle and run over a bunch of pedestrians on the street what would be to stop them from hacking a vehicle and using that vehicle unmanned to run over pedestrians on the street or run into a building we just saw that recently a connected car that has self-driving features is a very dangerous weapon for somebody to take over remotely
0: Absolutely, it is. I mean, uh, think about it this way that at this uh, point, computers even are not secured and uh, talking about the phone the example that you gave you know that is a very you know real challenge that everyone is facing the smartphones are not secure mm-hmm. and if mm-hmm. if we are going towards you know smart cars you know connected cars uh, autonomous cars that's also where we will face the same challenge and the reason behind that is you know not many individuals across nations are informed or understand the security challenges that are coming their way so what we We can develop regulations, but what, you know, uh, what we actually need is that, you know, the manufacturers needs to take security in their own hand. So when they develop all these, you know, hardwares, when they develop all these kinds of different uh, connected cars to, you know, I mean, the autos or, you know, if you're looking at phones or any machine, you know, that they have to make security as an inbuilt feature and they need, they should, you know, keep updating it because as we develop more security threats as more and malwares and, you know, viruses and all that, you know, emerges, Then they are in a better position to update it, to make sure that all these, you know, uh, equipments or uh, vehicles are, you know... properly protected, but we are not there yet. Manufacturers are not, you know, taking responsibility for that. They are not accountable. So that is a broader discussion, you know, the nations and uh, collectively the industries will need to uh, have, you know, in the coming days that how do we address these complex security challenges? Because if we leave it to the consumers, then we are, you know, going to be vulnerable. And, you know, we are we are talking about the interconnected, interdependent risk. It's, you know, one person, you know, doesn't uh, upgrade or one person doesn't focus on the security. That, you know, puts a lot of people who are connected to that individual, the, you know, bring the security challenges to them also. So this is a much bigger problem and we do need to come up with effective solutions. But now before we go start talking about the more of the security challenges, Uh, We we need to address about the, uh, if we are developing these cars, you know, connected cars and autonomous cars to be a reality, we also need the smart roads and smart highways. What is the current state of developing smart roads and smart highways? Uh,
1: There's a lot of research going on and there's some applied research taking place, but uh, the number of really smart roads and highways is very limited at the present time we think um, there's a total of 15 different technologies in the next five to seven years that's going to all enter at the same rough period of time uh, the accelerated development advancement and adoption phase now that's going to create about a 14 trillion dollar marketplace so there's a lot of technology that's going to be getting out there Uh, all that is going to and, and you 've actually had an a interesting term that not two people use. it 's called "singularity" uh, on one of your documents. And I just did a, a briefing on this, and we 've got to stop thinking in terms of singularity it 's not just about the car. The car uses artificial intelligence. The, the car uses the IOT sensors there's all these other technologies that are being used by the car. I just saw a 3D printer print a car, okay? I just saw new materials that use nanotechnology that was self-healing. Now think about that. What happens if we put the the self-healing materials in the 3D printer and it prints a car and you're in a minor accident, you call up the the dealer and he goes, okay, uh, it'll cost you $1,344. And you say, okay and he pushes a button and sends a remote uh, trigger and it heals itself. What does that do to all the body shops, all the paint shops and everything else? Think of the level of disruption that we're talking about when all 14 of those technologies, including the autonomous and smart connected vehicles, all come together in the same period of time. Very true,
0: very true. That's a really good, you know, uh, observation and point about that how this whole redistribution of value. Is emerging as we restructure the automotive industry because the technologies are converging and they are that is revolutionizing transportation and dramatically improving you know safety and mobility. And it you know probably decreases cost because you know of the 3D printing that you just you know talked about. And uh, it will probably perhaps have you know uh, better environmental impact also. But it is you know in reality going to redistribute the entire supply chain and uh, as we restructure the automotive industry and connected vehicles that navigate themselves and uh, leave humans as passive passengers as we go towards, you know, autonomous cars are already being road tested as we have seen, you know, even in United States and some other countries. And uh, vehicles, these autos, the connected cars are fitted with complex systems of scanners and radars and lasers and GPS devices and cameras and many different kinds of software. Vehicles that drive themselves are already on the road and being tested, you know, as seen across so many different nations. Now, while it remains uncertain how much connectivity public will embrace or how easily they will embrace these self-driving vehicles, what happens when even one vehicle malfunctions? I mean, you give an example, you know, uh, about the, the windshield wiper and, you know, all those complex challenges that emerge after that. So what are the legal challenges the industry could face in the coming years?
1: Uh, The European Union is doing something that's really interesting right now. And there was an argument. I don't say it was a discussion. This was an argument because it got rather heated online about whether or not an autonomous vehicle is a robot. Think about it. You're giving it an instruction and it's doing it and it takes you where you said you wanted to go, right? Now, it integrates with the smart roads and the smart cities and everything else. But here's the issue that has come up. In Europe, they're starting to say, A, the, the robot has certain rights, okay? And the second question that came up, if a robot is responsible for the death of a human being, do they stand trial? Does the operator, or the owner of the robot stand trial? Does the manufacturer of the robot stand trial? Who's responsible for the death of a human coming out of either an autonomous vehicle? Is it the driver? We just had some incidents here in the United States where it was uh, a self-driving vehicle hit a bicyclist. Who was responsible? Was it the driver? Who's the driver? It wasn't the guy that was sitting there. Where was it? Okay. Is he the one that's ultimately responsible? And if so, you know, the value of an autonomous vehicle significantly reduces because you've got to stay attuned to what's going on. We just had another individual that um, was arrested. He was uh, under the influence of alcohol and he wasn't driving the vehicle and it got into an accident. Uh, It wasn't responsible for the accident, but he was still driving under the influence since he was the person basically in the driver's seat. What happens, I I just had a picture of this came from General Motors. There were no brake pedals, there were no gas pedals, and there was no steering wheel in the vehicle. Yes. Make the the, the driver's side either side. So who do you designate as the driver? I mean, we have so many questions we've got to answer about this and the current laws and how they're going to apply to the autonomous connected vehicles. We haven't even think about it
0: that's true that is true these are very complex challenges and nations will have to work together to come up with you know effective answers uh, that bring some sort of accountability and responsibility in the technology transformation that is advancing so rapidly I mean you gave that great example about you know all these questions but at the same time we also have to address the insurance industry how will insurance industry ensure the auto crimes uh, that could happen in the, it could be because of malfunction. It could be because of terrorist attack. It could be because of hacking. That due to this internet connectivity, how would the insurance industry insure all those claims? And uh, it could be kidnapping, ransom exposure, uh, which involves automobiles and uh, all the you know people sitting in the car they, that they could be hostage or they would have to pay ransom. So how would the insurance industry address this? Because we're still trying to figure out the cyber you know insurance, cyber security insurance, so auto security insurance is also going to be a very complex challenge in the coming years. And uh, we will need to come up with some sort of regulation, some sort of, you know, collective answers uh, by all the nations. Uh, Do you see any development on that front, uh, if any regulations are emerging?
1: Like I said, we're starting to see some that could um, cross-pollinate over into the auto from the robots. But I'm not seeing the regulations to where they're ahead of the game. They're behind the game. Normally, uh, if you look at the U.S. regulatory process, it takes three, five, eight, ten years to get something all the way through with uh, all the different iterations it has to go through, all the lobbyists having their say and pushing all the hearings and everything else. Okay, let's just say five years. Think about 2013, what we were talking about in 2013 compared to what we're talking about today. Look at how different that is in terms of the capability of the, the self-driving vehicles, okay? In terms of all the IoT sensors, in terms of smart cities, smart roadways, and, and as you mentioned before, the the, the smart roadways. I think the big play is where the roadways, the cars, and the smart cities all interact along with smart buildings. Let me give you an example. You're driving down the road trying to get to work, and there's an auto accident. The auto accident gets reported, and your vehicle uh, alerts you and says, we're going to reroute because there's an accident on Interstate 79 that's got traffic tied up. And we'll be another seven and a half minutes to get to your location. As you're going down there where you normally park, the garage alerts the city that it's full. It knows that you used to park there on a regular basis. So it alerts your car that it's full and the city looks at it and says, okay, the next closest garage that's got spaces that should be okay for you and gives you that and tells you that that's the garage you should go to now. Think yep. about how all that works together.
0: Yes, very true. It all works together and this intelligence that is emerging from the cars, hardware or software, all the connected IoTs is bridging the gap You know, between cyberspace, geospace and space. So the network of things, physical as well as digital matters to the connectivity of the cars. And since IoT allows automation as it comes from many connected things, it IoT, you know, what role do you see IoT playing in the automotive industry security and why does it matter? Because uh, this, uh, you just mentioned the exact example about the intelligence and I think that's where the heart of the problem is that as we collect all these data, we do not know the uh, accountability of the data, authenticity of the data or whether the data in real time is being manipulated. So how will the auto industry, if, if the data is being manipulated in real time, then uh, the intelligence that the consumers depend on it, while driving the car, you know, that is faulty and that could, you know, put them in at a bigger risk. So how will this automotive industry, you know, address this kind of complex security challenges emerging and coming their way?
1: Well, I want to go back to what we talked about before. Yeah. How many standards do we have? In order to develop this, the, we have to be able uh, from the IoT sensors to the smart garage to the smart city to the smart highway, have to send and have a communication protocol that supports that particular platform. Okay? Now, if it's kind of like the internet, where we could send it over the internet to that which you know, I'm not so sure that would be secure enough that I would want smart roadways and smart vehicles and everything else um, in our current internet configuration. We've got way too many vulnerabilities, but we're gonna to have to develop all those individual standards in order to support the platforms. The auto industry, in my opinion, is probably five years behind where they need to be. Um, they need the standard for communication, They need the standard amongst the industry. And over here in the United States, they'd have to go through the government and say, look, this is the way we really need to go. But we can't interact with this on our own because you'll think it's, you know, all the auto industry is getting together, um, you know, against the consumer. This benefits the consumer. So somehow or other. Either the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration or one of the government regulatory bodies needs to step up. Maybe NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, needs to step up and say, these are the set of standards we need to develop. You guys get first shot at it and get it to us by this time. If you don't, we're gonna write it. And so you've time boxed them to get this in so we can start to catch up with all of this. Because sure. we're gonna to have to integrate.
0: Yes. No. I I hear you on that, and it is not just the automotive industry that you know needs to be involved because. These are all integrated. The technologies are integrating every, you know, industry in that. So IoT industry will need to be play a role in that. The software industry, then uh, the the AI industry will need to play a role in that. Uh, And you know, many other industries will have to merge 3D printing in industry and the automotive. So it's not purely the automotive industry that will need to get involved in setting the standards. The, all these collective, you know, industries who that are playing a role in the making the cars, you know, connected and autonomous, they will all have to come together to set up the uh, to define the you know effective standards and you know come up with the effective regulations. So it's going to be a very complex challenge. But one of the biggest challenges in automotive cybersecurity is determining whether the tools and configurations we have in place in connected cars are giving us the level of security we require. Now, we just talked, you know, very briefly about that, you know, the the consumer citizens are not that informed, you know, and they are not that proactive in putting together effective uh, uh, security solutions on their, you know, computers or smartphones or even the cars. So if we are to protect ourselves, that is human lives and the connected cars data in all formats, it's important that we get informed about security vulnerabilities in our connected cars and network systems. So how to know, how would consumers know if the connected cars or automobiles are secured?
1: Well, um, you've actually opened up a very big box here and you were talking about all the data that's collected, um, in Europe, uh, basically the person owns the data. Okay not the company that, collect, that that has it and uses it. In the United States, he who collects it owns it. So we have two totally different standards and approaches to privacy around this. Now, it's not about what we're looking at and everything else, it's where we go, what time we go, what routes we take, you know, all this other stuff that comes into play that we didn't have before. We started to have it with the smartphones because the time, and your location is known, okay? So, and uh, I don't know whether you've ever gotten this or not, but I got a a notice from um, one organization said, hey, how was your visit to this particular restaurant two weeks ago? Well, that's not in real time, thank God, but I'll bet you it gets in real time within the next couple of years. And they wanted me to rate my interaction with that restaurant uh, at that particular period of time which is good because then that influences other people, obviously. But think about all the data and how much they know about us from what we do and when we do it and everything else. It's going to be very, very, very tricky. Now, you know, in the old days, we used to have what was called a firewall and the firewall in the vehicle was between the passenger compartment and the engine compartment to keep the fire that occurred in the engine compartment from getting in. We have a second firewall and Um, most vehicles now don't have those, the software firewall, most vehicles. Have you ever seen a vehicle with antivirus?
0: (laughs) No, I haven't.
1: Have you thought about, I don't know, um, think about how often your PC gets updated, the applications on your PC gets updated because of a vulnerability that was found or or something else, you know, on the, the black market over on the dark web. A uh, a zero-day vulnerability for a smartphone goes for about a quarter million dollars. Yeah. What do you think a zero-day vulnerability for a BMW Model Six would probably be?
0: Yeah, that's very true. I mean, this this industry, the dark web, and you know this hacking industry, it's an economy in itself. So there are. They are pro- you know perhaps more advanced and more technologically savvy uh, than you know the ethical uh, people or security professionals who are trying to protect this uh, industry so it's a very complex challenge you are right about it, and uh, it's going to uh, take a lot of effort and I'm sure that AI will need to get involved in uh, uh, securing but at the same time the hackers in the dark web also they will use AI to uh, hack the uh autos and you know the car industry or any other industry. So it's going to be a warfare between you know good AI and bad AI and it's going to be very complex, how challenge for any nations, you know, how they are going to secure any of their industries or any of their component in the coming years. And we like you said, you know, we are getting technology dependent and so are our cars because of all this connectivity and all these gadgets that we are, you know, installing in that and civil to the data logs that show lab trails. sensory data also streams from these connected uh, machines or cars that contain detailed traces about our usage and uh, which products we are using, which applications we are using and our behaviors. So all that data, like you said, you know, in the Europe, uh, they, the individual owns that data, but uh, in United States and most other nations, The the industries own that data. So uh, while they are trying to bring some good things out of that, you know, by developing, you know, the intelligence, it still brings a lot of security risk, a lot of privacy risk. So uh, how is this data, you know, being used currently by the manufacturers, the data that they are collecting from all these IoT sensors, you know, by the connected cars and, how are they using, the manufacturers are using the data and how is this data, is actually this data being used to make the cars better or where is the data, you know, usage and intelligence going? Well,
1: I think we are at the very, very, very early stages of the auto manufacturers looking at this data and integrating it into their customer service. I don't think that they've started to look at the value of this data outside their organization around sales, marketing, other services and capabilities and everything else. So, you know, uh, the, the big dollar value is going to be in the data and the insights coming out of that data.
0: Yes, very true. And I mean, if it's personal data that is being collected, that's one thing. But now when, you know, the data gets collected about the business trips or the government trips and government data, business data, what happens to all the data that the connected car collects? And whether that uh, that is... Uh, barrier between personal data and uh, the government business data or government data so how is the differentiation happening and how is that business data and government data being protected
1: uh it's not at this point in time you can't protect it until you start to put the the firewalls on the antivirus and the intrusion detection uh at the vehicle okay um what's, what's interesting is what's going on right now with facebook and giving them giving uh, Facebook, giving you the opportunity to look at your data and delete your data and change your data and all that kind of stuff because of what's going on in front of Congress over here in the States. Uh, I don't think that it's going to be that many years before we start to see that in the auto industry.
0: Yes, yes, I, I hear your point on that. Now, in the Internet of Thing ecosystem, I mean, physical objects, connected cars and everything will be provided uh, in the coming years with unique identifiers, you know, and the ability to transfer data over this cyber network without requiring human-to-human or human-to-computer interaction because of that tagging. So to many people, the idea of everything being tagged is frightening. Everyone is, you know, very concerned about this. So the connected, as the connected cars will also be tagged in the IoT ecosystem, what security impact do you see of connected cars being tagged and what risk do you see the current model of connected cars because of the IoT tagging and cyberspace?
1: I I think it's going to get really interesting. Uh, Probably in three to five years, um, I saw a vehicle handle. And basically when you put your fingers underneath the handle, it allowed it to open, but it recognized you because of your fingerprint. Mm So uh, It used that biometric in order to verify who you were When it verified who you were it automatically moved the seat and made all the adjustments to you So you've got multiple vehicles driving the car. All right, so I know who's driving the car The car has a VIN number Okay, that VIN number is what the manufacturer uses Okay, so that's I can tie you and everybody that uh, drives that vehicle to that VIN number. So it's a a relationship between you and the VIN number and the VIN number and the manufacturer. And interestingly enough over here, the VIN number is what's used for the registration and get your license plates and and around your insurance and everything else. So I think we're gonna start to see the continuation of the VIN number. I don't think we're going to see the IOT sensors reading VIN numbers remotely. Um, If that happens, I think you're going to see a lot of interesting people start to develop applications to block the data.
0: Yes, they will, and I I can see the point in that, but at the same time, there is also AI has the capability to uh, very easily hack into these fingerprints. So if we are opening the cars, using that the person, you know ai applications will emerge that will be able to uh, open any car you know that uh, lot of advances are happening there and now irrespective of you know we are talking about challenges emerging from cyberspace geospace or space when we think about the crime the criminals are following the money it's not just the ai we are talking about the criminals are following the money so cyber criminal economy is growing rapidly for criminals wanting to benefit from the security vulnerability. So if you follow the money trail, the crimes that are more profitable, that is driving the rapid rise of car hacking products and services in underground markets are, you know, so many. If you see, there are so many different, you know, uh, applications that are emerging. So it is reported that in the underground markets, one of the many services offered is scripting services, which offer criminals a way to camouflage their malware. Mm -hmm. Anti-malware system. So how do we prevent hacking products and activities in connected cars? Is there a way towards proactive anti-fraud compared to reactive one? And, I mean, there are so many vulnerabilities emerging.
1: Uh, Actually, I think it's going to be worse than the computer market. Okay? And let me explain why. Um, 18-wheelers, the tractor trailers, are already – we've got autonomous tractor trailers uh, under development right now. And they're actually out on the streets being driven. They have loads that are worth a lot of money, a lot more than a car. So what happens when that autonomous vehicle starts that 18 wheeler starts to drive, I hack it and take over it and take it to a warehouse where guess what? I just stole a vehicle and I just stole all the products in that vehicle. Okay, That's a huge crime. All right. Now let's take it on the opposite side. Let's take it to the terrorists. What happens if it's a, tanker truck full of gasoline. What happens if I take it over and crash it into a building? Yeah,
0: very true, very true. Those are complex legal challenges. Who is responsible? Who is accountable? So legal industry will also have to come up with effective ways of defining where the crime lies and who is responsible. So these are very complex challenges, you know, in legal industry, the law has to uh, start thinking about, you know, how to address these emerging crimes. Now, these embedded computing systems in vehicles, in all these connected cars are subject to the same security threats as any other computing device with a processor or operating system and applications <clears throat> that are running on it. And both the volume and diversity of security attacks are Definitely going to multiply quickly once this reality hits the street. So the one question is that how, are, I mean, you talked about the firewalls and antivirus protection, but how are the updates for vulnerabilities applied or whether they are applied, you know, and how? who is responsible for applying those updates? And vehicles have been used as weapons, as we have been seeing uh, and hearing the stories. And uh, so many times vehicles have driven into crowds also, on purpose, they have injured and killed also in Europe. We have seen that. So wh- what about a hacked connected autonomous vehicle? Who is, uh, like you said, you know, the uh, legal challenges. Now who is responsible for these kind of uh, crimes that are emerging from either hacked cars or autonomous you know, vehicles? And mm-hmm. are the current laws, you know, effective for the connected cars?
1: I don't think they are. Um, I mean, just just think about if uh, you're holding a robot or the car accountable or does that mean you're going to incarcerate the robot or the car? Big deal. Okay, (laughs) that's not the way to go about it. If you're sitting in the car, say, for example, uh, you uh, took, uh, you know, the the next generation of Uber that has a self-driving vehicles, they come pick you up and drop you off. If you're in that type of uh, delivery service or chauffeur service, and the car's in an accident, you get, are you the only one that's in there? So are you the one that's responsible? Are you going to have you know a master kill switch in that vehicle? Or are you gonna have a master brake where you hit the button and hit the brake and it goes? Um, is there gonna be a master kill switch remotely so people can do that? And if you do that, guess what? You just open up a new door and vulnerability There was uh, an incident, I think it was down in Texas, where an employee was fired and he was um, hacking into remotely all the vehicles and causing their alarms to go off in the middle of the night. (laughs) So not only at the dealership, but it was the people that bought them. Uh, That would be rather annoying. So that just shows you what you can do already. What's gonna be in the future when there's a self-driving and there's no vehicle um, capabilities, the steering wheel, the um, gas pedal, the brake pedal, all that's gone.
0: That is very true. These are, <clears throat> sorry, these are very complex challenges and very complex questions. So what are the specific steps that you would recommend to improve the connected car security?
1: I, I think two things have to happen. Number one is, um, Federal governments have to step up and say, we're not gonna allow your vehicles on our highways, unless, boom, 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 three things. First of all, you guys come up with a standard. I don't want 16 different platforms that we have to look at and maintain and everything else. That's gonna be a commercial, huge market, but it's gonna be a disaster, okay, for trying to update it and everything else all the way along. You've got to think all the way through this, of how you're going to do the testing, how you're going to do the updating, how you're going to do the protection, how you're going to do the remote um, um, management and killing of those vehicles, how you're going to do all this stuff all the way down the line. So put the process map in place and say, and you these are the steps that you have to come back with us at. If you don't, we're going to create them and you're going to abide by them. So I think that's the first thing that has to happen. Second thing that has to happen, is I think we have to see, you know, some of the major um, internet security providers team up with one or more of the auto manufacturers, whether it be a Symantec, a McAfee, whoever, and say, okay, let us get in and help you with this. We understand how to do the phone. We don't understand how to do the computer. We've got all this learning from years on by. Let us leverage that and put that in place before you have to go through the same learning.
0: Yes, very true. No, that, I, that makes sense. So now, based on your involvement with the industry, what is that one thing you would like to change in how we address the connected car security and how we address, how we you know, put together? The different, you know, standards, the global standards that are so very essential, how to, how do we uh, address how to, what kind of regulations need to come and what kind of uh, privacy, you know, and security measures needs to be adapted all across nations. So what would you, uh, what would you, what is that one thing you would like to change in how we are the nations and its decision makers, automotive decision makers and government decision makers and security decision makers are addressing the complex challenges.
1: I think they need to to go out and and somehow rather entice people to create these scenarios and turn the scenarios into them and they build for those scenarios. Um, You know, General Motors, BMW, Nobody in the world has you know, a, a lock on creativity. Uh, we've seen creativity in the hacking environment that goes beyond belief. Um, give me an example. As soon as in 2008, when we had that uh, financial crisis over here and all of the funds went down in the stock market and everything else, uh, hackers sent out a notice to the major financial companies via email and it was an email subpoena. Uh, for uh, them to testify and records and everything else, and it was click here uh, for the download of the subpoena. Well, there was a couple of arguments. First of all, when you click there, it was malware. A lot of the CEOs that got that sent it to the lawyer. Between the CEOs and the lawyer, about 95% of people clicked on that link. What was interesting was of the remaining 5%, there was an argument about whether there was such a thing as an electronic subpoena. And it turns out in certain states they actually do issue subpoenas electronically, but it's mostly to for witnesses to appear in court. And those are normally law enforcement witnesses, the ones we found, but it just shows you how disjointed this whole thing is. The CEOs don't understand uh, the level of sophistication of the hackers. And if there's one thing that I've learned, Uh, Since we've been doing this is do not sell them short.
0: Yes, very true, very true. So what would you like to tell our global viewers and listeners?
1: Stay tuned. The emerging technologies, the 15 of them, the $14 trillion by 2022 to 2025 is going to change our lives in ways that we have never imagined. Uh, Some people are going to like it. Some people are not. It's almost impossible today not to live without being connected online, it will be impossible tomorrow for you to do that. Um, And there's probably another five or six technologies that are going to emerge over that period of time that we haven't even heard of today, that may be in the back minds of uh, some entrepreneur, that's going to have a giant impact as well.
0: Very true, very true. So while on the surface threats to automotive technology and connected cars currently appear isolated and unrelated, the reality of the security threats facing connected cars is a very complex challenge. In the coming years, as the digital connectivity and technology becomes more prevalent, so too will be the security risk associated with it. And you are right that uh, nobody will be able to survive without being connected. Uh, Digital connectivity, uh, internet connectivity is going to be uh, very fundamental, very basic, you know, feature, just like, you know, that we need air, water, and, uh, uh, you know, those that kind of... uh, requirement and necessity and dependency will be there. So thank you so much, Kevin, for participating in Risk Roundup today. We appreciate your thoughtful insight on complex challenges facing connected cars mm-hmm. and our global viewers and listeners would benefit tremendously from the understanding you provided on the need for application of real time, you know, uh, solutions on developing these standards and coming up with effective ways to uh, put the security embed the security in the connected cars. Uh, so even if a single individual or entity is able to come up with ideas to secure the connected cars and uh, the risks that are emerging based on the understanding, They received from the discussion we had today, this risk roundup dialogue has been of service and we thank you for that. Risk Roundup, a global initiative launched by Risk Group is a security risk reporting for risk emerging from existing and emerging technologies, technology convergence and transformation happening across cyberspace, geospace and space. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security and peace, they walk together hand in hand. Though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict. Risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. It is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts fit into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secure for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security, so if we build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risk together. For more information on the risk roundups, to watch the risk roundup webcast or hear the risk roundup podcast, please go to riskgrouplc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayashree. Most of risk roundups signing off. See you next time. Thank you.